Great news for Informed Pregnancy Plus subscribers. Dive into our Core Connection course included with your subscription. Hosted by Natalie Headings, a pre- and postnatal exercise specialist and ACSM certified personal trainer, she's an incredible teacher. This five-video series equips you with essential insights to understand what your pelvic floor and core are, how they work, and how to enhance pelvic floor and core strength and proper function during and after your pregnancy and birth. Learn about pelvic floor basics, key postural adjustments, effective muscle releases, and breathing techniques for a healthier core and floor. Don't wait. Visit informedpregnancy.tv and get started with the invaluable core connection today. Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin, and I'm here today with co-host Kristen Palacy. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. It's always great to have you. You have questions that I would never think of. Today, we're talking about yoga and meditation in general, and for pre- and postnatal in particular. I'm super excited to introduce today's guest, who is a yoga and meditation teacher. She's been teaching in the Los Angeles area for almost two decades, and is one of the senior teachers and teacher trainers at YogaWorks. My good friend and great colleague, Patty Quintero, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So good to be here. Oh my goodness. Good things come to people who wait. We've been <laughs> trying to schedule this night for like a year now. All in divine timing. All in divine timing. And so. I get to be present. I and you so get to be glad. here. <laughs> uh, I, I talked with, on a different episode, about how I got into yoga, um, which was a one-time experience and ended up with a broken mirror and, uh, and broken self-confidence. And uh, I never went back to it again. And I do see, though the benefits of it. Meditation is also fairly new for me. I mean, I've meditated in ways without calling it meditation through prayer and other things like that. But now I'm meditating just for the sake of meditation, and I'm already getting a lot of benefit out of it. So I want to find out more for me a little bit, but also for I see how powerful it is. Both of them can be for our clients who are pregnant and during labor and delivery and postpartum and for parenting and everything else in life that's a struggle. So I can't wait to learn from you. Tell me how you got started in in this work. I, I kind of feel like I have been um, – it's been calling me since I was I was a little girl – you know, I used to do these things where I'd sit on on a balcony and like chant to birds, or I would put myself in the actual physical like pretzel lotus position um, when I was small and and pretend I was I was meditating. And I guess at the time I didn't really know what I was pretending to do, but it was something that inherently felt very familiar in my body. Um, where did I, you grow up? I was born here in California. Oh. Yeah, and my parents are Colombian, so we moved soon after when I was about five to Colombia. 
Oh, you moved from California yeah. to Columbia, uh-huh. and that's where you were sitting on the porch? And- N- no, you know, I mostly started as a little doing it here. I used to do these things here um, called, in my neighborhood, it was called like bionic woman lessons, and I'd have kids from the neighborhood <laughs> come around, and I would teach them how to leap across like the lawn, and how to tumble, <laughs> and how to like do handstands, and so... There when was, you were four and five I years mean, old? I mean, yeah, I was... A, I, was I don't even remember what I was doing oh, when I was four and five years old. Yeah, well, that's yoga and meditation for you, right? Well, <laughs> I don't know. You the benefits have to teach of, me. of mindfulness. Wow. Yeah, so I, I was doing I that a lot. I want to leap like Wonder Woman and roll and fall. I'll teach you Thank how you. to spin like Wonder Woman. <laughs> that's what I think I've been missing. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think it just came at a very early age, and I was always very interested in what we think as children to be mystical. And um, I questioned a lot about, you know, uh, spirituality. I talked to my grandmother, who is a very spiritual woman, about all of these these ideas. And um, it just kept calling me through. And then you, how long were you in Columbia for? About eight and a half years. Oh, and then you came back yeah, as a teenager? Yeah, we moved back to Miami in the 80s because... Those were not good times to be in Colombia. Right. Yeah. Um, so we moved back, and I lived in Miami, and I, I graduated high school, and I went and did my undergrad there, and then my master's in Miami as well. What did you study? I studied film and theater as ah, my undergrad. I did not know that. And you know, I feel like in retrospect, I knew I wanted to be in front of people. I knew I wanted to be on a stage. I just didn't know it was going to be a yoga stage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I did that. Um, and then I moved to New York and I tried to live that dream out and got my butt whooped. And I started to teach. It kind of found me again. I started to teach children in New York City. For acting, you went to New York? Uh-huh. For acting and oh. film. I actually did very little acting in New York. I, I fell into um, a job doing music videos and commercials at a music video company. And it was a blast because I'm a huge music person. But it was really rough. It was rough on my spirit. Um, and so I really dove into yoga there. I, I started practicing yoga there officially, I guess what you would call more like an official yoga practice. Where taking I, classes? Taking classes and really diving into meditation. New York City had these, you know, lots of great little nooks that seemed um, really inviting. And I and I started kind of stepping in through the door through meditation. And mm. that was a big vision quest for me being over there. And then um, when it got way too cold for my, my sunshine blood, I moved back to Miami and... Uh, and I got my master's in education. So yoga was kind of calling me, you know, I think when you kind of like you put this mental GPS out there and life is going to take you in very strange directions to really get you there. So I got a master's in education to be a school teacher, not knowing that I would eventually become a yoga teacher. So you have all these building blocks that kind of make sense perfectly. They create a strong foundation for what you do now. Oh, yeah, completely. It oh. was always calling to me. Um, and then when I started, when I actually finished my degree, I moved. I had always, I dreamt of coming back to L.A. I had dreams of the sunsets here and of the mountains. And and I decided after that that I would move back to to LA and I started to teach kindergarten. And as soon as I started to teach kindergarten, I continued to practice all these years. I would close all the all the windows and all the like shades of my my room and I would just like be like, let's do yoga. 
<laughs> with your with the kids? kindergartners, oh, wow. yeah. So I would put them, and I we would do all these animal shapes, and I would do this thing called imagination journey, and I'd put them on their backs, and that was really in the yoga practice what's called shavasana. Mm-hmm. So but I'd, you hadn't taken yoga teacher trainings yet. I hadn't. No, I had not done an official yoga teacher training. So until you were just making up. Things. I was. I was. I was making up what I had learned from my teachers and from mm. my studies um, in the different traditions that I had been studying. And I had always had this connection with young children. Mm-hmm. I always felt like that's when I felt most magic when I was a young child. So um, it was a lot of fun for me to work with these these little people who were in such a formative stage and their brains are pruning to to be able to see them, you know, have fun and relax and connect to that magic was was amazing. How long did you teach kindergarten? Um, for two years in L.A. And then I taught a little bit in Miami before I moved here. Oh, OK. So where'd you go from there? From there, I actually went to Cabo. (laughs) (laughs) To live? Yes, I did. Um, At the time, I met um, my my fiancé, who um, was moving to Cabo. He's no no longer. I married him, and he's now... You know my ex-husband, mm-hmm. but at the time we um, we met in Venice, and he was said, you know, I'm moving to Cabo, and so we'd he'd fly me out there, and he was he was also a yogi, and he was going to start teaching yoga there and run a supper club. So when he proposed to me, I moved over there, and we we lived up this surf break, um, this little place called Old Man's, and we lived up a surf break in a cottage, and we taught yoga and started all these yoga programs in like hotels like Ventana's and. And really, I mean, really cool because there wasn't a lot of yoga there at the time. Mm. And then we moved back here to really do some official teacher training. And that's when I landed in Yoga Works. And that was... When you were taking your teacher training to become a teacher. Yeah. We came back from Cabo to get married here in L.A. And um, we got married and I signed us up for the Yoga Works teacher training. And this was in 2001. And we both did the teacher training and... You know, the, the the woman who I consider one of my greatest teachers, she was leading it. And she pulled me out of the room one day and she said, um, you need to be teaching for me and I'm going to have you start teaching now. Wow. <laughs> so she threw me kind of um, to the so wolves and put me under. It sounds like it was a rough period where you were trying to get a teacher job and couldn't find one anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was lucky. It was really scary. But she took me under her wing and um, there I was. And... Um, how many years ago was that? That was in 2001, so we're almost, what, 2018? Yeah, so that was 17 years ago. Yeah. How have things evolved since then? Well, you know, life happened. <laughs> I started to teach, um, and... Did uh, you love it? I The way you talk it. about it, people can't hear he- it. Or see her face. You yeah. can't see the face, but, <laughs> but you just look so happy I talking love it. about it. I love it. You know, I I... I never have felt something was so right for me even to just have switched after putting years of school into getting a master's in education to have taken that leap and really followed my heart was a huge deal because yoga changed my life. I I mean, I felt it that anytime I was practicing yoga or meditation, I felt at home in myself. And I was like, this is what I am here to do. Did you study meditation separately? 
I did. I studied it in the beginning before I actually really got too much into the physical aspects of yoga, which is asana. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the, the tree of yoga has many branches, and, and the asana is the physical portion of the practice, and meditation, um, you know, kind of goes down toward the end when you're really going inside. Mm-hmm. So I did start um, a sitting practice, a meditation practice, and then that kind of like took me into doing more of the physical yoga, which I had been a gymnast, so I kind of felt oh, like really? that uh-huh. came. Seems I, helpful. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was helpful. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's ultimately it goes so beyond the physical aspects. So, um, yeah, then after I, you know, I started teaching with Yoga Works, we actually left Yoga Works to go open up our own yoga studio. And my um, husband at the time and I, and we had a yoga studio in the Pacific Palisades called Jiva Yoga, which eventually became a Yoga Works. Oh, really? They, they bought, it. bought it. Yeah. Oh, wow. And we realized we didn't want to be business owners that way and have all of that over our heads, and we just wanted to be teachers. Um, we, we agreed to pull our part out, and they sold. Oh, nice. Yeah. All, all roads lead back to Yoga Works. They do. Mm-hmm. I ended up there, and, and I'm still there. <laughs> yeah. And and you've grown so much in what you do. Um, and you do a ton with pregnancy and, and postpartum and motherhood in general. Uh, and in the second part of our program, I want to talk about that. Where do you see the average person um, who hasn't done yoga and hasn't done meditation uh, where where do they pick it up? Where where's a good place to start? I think oftentimes the doorway in. I mean, there's so many doorways into yoga for people nowadays. Doctors talk about yoga. So it's it's popular. You see it on commercials. You you see it on in magazines and the internet everywhere. So it's become a very commercial item. Um, but it's oftentimes through the door of feeling like I'm very stressed out and I need to do something to help unwind and get healthy physically because the stress is is affecting me physically. So it's oftentimes coming from a lack of. Um, And if you think about it, the word yoga means union, bringing together, yoking. Um, So oftentimes what brings someone into a practice is feeling, you know, not put together or disjunct or disconnected. But there there seem to be, for the novice who doesn't know anything about yoga, there seem to be lots of different names for types of yoga. Yeah. And it's also a little intimidating to sort of peek through the window and watch the movements that are happening and the synchronicity sometimes that's happening and think, I don't know if I can do that. Um, Yeah. So then it's intimidating. You You just don't. I think you're 100% right. I think one of the things that a lot of teachers um, that have been doing this for a long time, they, they would agree with you because they see that the, what, they, what you'll often hear is, oh, I don't, I don't practice yoga. I'm, I'm not flexible enough or I'm very tight or I'm stiff. And it's really, I mean, that's who we want practicing yoga. Exactly. But it's, sometimes it's the people that need it the most that have the hardest time getting in there. Yeah. Just like the treadmill. Or they yeah. start and then they stop and then they find themselves trying to keep going back to it, but they're, they, for some reason, don't stay with it. I feel like my dad's like that. 
I, really he, wants to my try, doctor I told me to do yoga because I have high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. He's like, you have to do yoga and meditation. My medical doctor yeah. told me, go do yoga and meditation. And I'm like, uh. I, but <laughs> when you were talking about how you used to teach kindergarten mm-hmm. and we would lie on our backs and be different animals, I'm like, that's where I feel like I need to start. Yeah, I Either can come there. and do animal yoga with you, doctor. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, what did Lori say she was going to do? Lori said she was going to do something with yin, me. Chakra based, yeah. yin, something. <laughs> Restorative. But I'm taking you both up on it because I'm. Yeah. I want my blood pressure to go down. Um, <laughs> no, it is. It's it's intimidating. And I think that we, you know, more and more we want to demystify the practice and, and and make it known that it's not the, the physical aspect. Just because you're doing a one-armed handstand doesn't mean you are getting a better yoga practice. Mm. On the contrary, I think as I get older, my physical practice has become more tame and slower and I have um, – less of a need to do all the acrobatics that might have really like you know given me that you know the excitement when i was younger when i meditate tonight my mantra is going to be you don't have to do a one-arm handstand to have a great <laughs> yoga session exactly to be enlightened you don't have to do a one-armed handstand to, to be, be enlightened, enlightened. That'll be going... i can be your hashtag Thank you. <laughs> yes. i'm gonna record you saying that. actually we, we just recorded <laughs> that so I'll, I'll play it <laughs> for five or six months till i wander <laughs> off and i'll probably wake up with a short sore shoulder <laughs> Uh, I, I wish there was like yoga 101 for people who haven't done it before. There or is. Like, like a 10 week program for just like getting your feet wet with other people who are novice. And I wish there was like, because just like there's prenatal yoga, probably the same modifications for like big fat guy yoga. I wish we had those classes that we can come into and just do big fat guy yoga. But I also think that the the names are intimidating by themselves. There's so many different names and they're not in English, so I don't know what they mean. Right. I mean, are there basic divisions of different types of yoga? Like, if I'm looking to start and I'm looking at these names, what do they mean? Well, they they all have translations. They're going to end in asana. So like vrikshasana, tadasana. Um, and I am actually someone who was taught to teach the Sanskrit language. So I always say the postures in Sanskrit. Um, it was just, you know, the it was very that there was no other way. So sometimes when someone comes and says, oh, do you know, like, fallen angel or something? I, I know it by its Sanskrit name more so than its English name. But like anything. But that's you, a pose. It's a posture. But there's a style. Like the styles have different they names. They do. The traditions have different names. So you'll have, you'll hear Ayengar yoga, right. Ashtanga, yes. Kundalini. Thank you. And, and so it's kind of like you're but picking. But what are a, they? Well, it's like you're picking a restaurant. And you're looking at the oh. different foods. <laughs> I, I just <laughs> I, I got your attention. So let me put things in a way that your brain understands. Thank you. <laughs> it's like you have many different restaurants. You have the Italian restaurant, the Indian restaurant, you know, and so you're going to choose that. And you, you may get, you're still going to get some of the same ingredients, but they're going to be taught through a different tradition. Mm, different and spices. Different spices, different mm. flavors. Yes. And and they each they, you can kind of track them back to different teachers that kind of started the lineage or that brought the lineage here to, you know, the West. So as an but by way of an introduction, I know like what Mexican food, what to expect, or <laughs> Italian, or right um, Chinese. But what about like those styles that you mentioned? Are there are for someone starting out like how would I pick if I don't know what they are? Is there is there a translation to like oh this is sort of like more. Is it more meditation-based versus yeah. physical, or yes. is it more 
Yes, I think that they all of do. A for, for example, I'll give you an example. Iyengar yoga, which you may have heard, um, which what I studied for the most most of my career was Iyengar and Ashtanga. I did some Shivananda and I did some Bikram, and I kind of I know this sounds so, sounds no. foreign to you. I know Bikram is the sweaty one. Right. I mean, I kind of got played right. around in the yes. different ones. Am I right about that? The hot, hot sweaty yoga. One, yeah. Is there um, one just out of curiosity that's done in in a like sort of a refrigerated room? Like cryo. Well, yoga? that would probably I wouldn't say refrigerated, but in Iyengar yoga, they don't they don't heat the room. They don't believe in I heating. I want to do it in room. a really chilly room. You, that would probably be a good one. And actually, I want to call it frozen yoga. Iyengar yoga is a very <laughs> good yoga for beginners because it's it's very alignment based. Iyengar. Iyengar, and you're going to be learning, which is alignment named based. after. After Mr. Iyengar, it's very alignment-based. That's so, what we're all about, alignment-basing. Totally. Yes. Well, this is why I thought it would be a good one for you. That's what they teach at our school, actually. And it's taught. Your school teaches yoga. Yeah, they have a yoga, a yoga. I'm part of their program. Fa- I'm part of their faculty. You're at their school. At at well at Loyola. Oh, I love you. But also okay. at the chiropractic college, they have a yoga program. Okay. And they teach that. Yeah, and I think it's great because it is it is all about that. And this is, I mean, I I am so appreciative that that I learned alignment before I start started to teach, you know, more sophisticated postures because, I mean, it's the foundation of the structure. So when you, when you really are teaching from that place, you're inviting people into their bodies, and it's and it really brings them into all the tiny areas and how to root and how to create a stable foundation in order to align everything on top and so um it's it's a place where i think beginners can can not feel overwhelmed because it's not so much about how fast you're going or you know the music playing or the heat in the room and it's usually going to be taught with great detail i like that mhm when you teach now, do you teach different cuisines, so to speak, at different times, or do you just take a little bit from each I, I, and make your own patty yeah. yoga? I have an international you cuisine. Have, <laughs> you have your own. You have your yeah, I, I palette. think I'm at a point now where um, I have become quite innovative with how I teach. I definitely teach alignment always, especially because I do work with so many pregnant women and postpartum women, but um, I teach alignment based. But I, I, I was also a, a, a student of Ashtanga yoga, which has a repetitive motion to it, and you're you're following your body's following the rhythm of the breath. So it does become a little more cardiovascular, and you are moving, and there is that that fire that's kind of being stoked along with alignment. Mm-hmm. So I teach a hybrid of that, um, which nowadays is has been coined vinyasa flow. So you might see that on a schedule too. And if you see that, it usually means that you're going to be moving okay, and repeating. So it's more of a physical workout. It's going to be most likely. Although when I hear physical. vinyasa, I sort of think of balsamic. <laughs> I don't know. Why. He's going to name them all vinyasa, by like balsamic. Yeah, I'll rename yeah. everything and make my own menu. What about meditation without yoga? Um, is there merit in that, and and how would someone get started in that? Because if you have a busy mind, it's also it's again like the people who need to do these workouts or calm their bodies a little bit. Um, I think I'll, I'll put myself in that group. Have the hardest time getting started because we have such a journey ahead of us. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with the mind. We all uh, I, I haven't met anybody yet who doesn't have stress and. Um, 
and the mind races and the mind wonders what's happening tomorrow and doesn't really stay present today. Uh, and of course, once you have kids, that just picks up even faster. But you want to be more present, but it's even harder to do. And I've been, I've just sort of downloaded an app for meditation and started listening to it. And it's been really helpful because you can hear all these different instructors and there are different approaches to it. And they're all like five minutes. So I can pretty much hold on through at least half of it. Right. And I've been sort of then building my own meditations. Like if I wake up at 4.30 in the morning, usually I would never be able to fall back asleep. And I, it's just worth it for me to get up and work out or start working. But now I can do meditation and either fall back asleep or just enjoy the benefit of meditating for an hour. Right. I mean, I think it's important to to define that meditation does fall under the umbrella of yoga. When we th- When we hear yoga, we think the physical postures of yoga, but meditation is one of the branches of the tree of yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, when we think of yoga here in the West, we think of asana, which means the physical movements. postures. Yeah, the movements. So because of the nature of um, this country and, and we're all very physically motivated and um, w- what helps often is to get the body moving and to kind of burn off all of that, you know, physical accumulation of stress so that we can sit with an open vessel and we can't tu- and we can tune in more easily into a space, a meditative space and into a space of stillness and into a space of observation without the body pulling us back and forth because mm-hmm. as you know both of you work with bodies, I mean, there's billions of neurons in the brain and the body and we store all of this information in our cells. So the physical postures help to move a lot of that before we get to breath work and before we get to meditation. Mm-hmm. So in the tree of yoga, you know, the postures come first and then the breath work comes and then you start going into states of deeper concentration. So I'm out of and order. into meditation. No, I, I, I don't particularly think it's out of order. I think that there is there are great benefits in having a sitting practice and having a meditation practice, even without the physical postures. And it's more of a laying down practice. That's perfect. Okay. You're still in your physical body. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, but because but, I see all these places opening up that are like <clears throat> meditation places that yeah. are different than yoga places. Yeah, and yeah because so. I think that that there is that differentiation. It's like you do, we don't have to necessarily be doing a physical practice in order to get the benefits of meditation. Does it help? I think that, yeah, I think they, they can be two separate entities. I think that the physical practice combined with the meditative practice is really potent. But I don't believe that we know one has to always go with the other. Talking to you is so calming. Oh, good. I want you to come back and be a guest, right? Aren't, don't you oh, just feel relaxed? Oh, I feel like, like we're meditating right now. Seriously. <laughs> it's so calming to just be around you and talk to you. Oh, thank you. Um, and then also, the way you talk about yoga makes so much sense. Good. I hope so. And that's sort of what I wanted the first half of our... Yeah, to let make it not intimidating. Yeah, or yeah. episode to be is to sort of just be like, it's not that far away. You can you can yeah. break it down. You can touch it. You can You can get into it and conquer it. Can I start at home? Yes, absolutely. How, how do I do that? I mean, I, whether you're saying you're doing it with the apps right now. Meditation. Right. But even without that, um, you could find uh, uh, either if you're someone who gets distracted with silence, you can find some kind of very soft music that helps you go inward. 
or you can have some a mantra, which it can be re- you can inhale, relax, and you can exhale, release. You can inhale, relax. You can exhale, release. And there's so many. These are called anchors. Um, you can count. You can um, breathe up your spine if you're more of a visual person. You can visualize breathing up your spine and breathing down your spine. So what we're doing is we're giving the mind different anchors depending on how we're wired because it's going to be different for all of us. And ultimately what those anchors are doing is they're dimming the projections of the mind so that attention can go inward, so you can withdraw your senses, and so you can learn to be in a state in the, in the, in the seat of the seer instead of being the seen. Mm. So it's almost like you come into the seat of the self. And that's ultimately you cultivating intimacy with yourself, Mm. which means greater self-awareness, greater self-love, knowing your truth, and navigating then making decisions, making choices, dealing with your clients from a space that is from that seat versus from everything else that, you know, is on the outside. That's really powerful. Thank you. Thank you. And also, if you're listening, you're not watching, but even when Patty was pointing to like going up the spine and coming down the spine, you could sort of feel it in your spine. Mm -hmm. Very powerful. All right. We're going to take a quick commercial break and be right back with Patty Quintero. And we're going to talk about specifically prenatal yoga, postnatal yoga, uh, right here on the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. This episode is sponsored by an innovative product that's made a big difference for parents and babies alike, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb. As a parent of four, I've had my fair share of battles with diaper rash, often resorting to thick, unpleasant pastes. I only recently discovered Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, and I was immediately impressed by its pleasant consistency and ease of application. This pediatric-approved skin protectant is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, making it perfect for your baby's sensitive skin. It's designed by a doctor who's also a mom, ensuring your little one gets the gentlest care. A small dab is all it takes to soothe and protect, avoiding the mess and hassle of traditional treatments. With ingredients like dimethicone and petrolatum, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb not only soothes, but also restores your baby's delicate skin. Available on Amazon.com and Walmart.com, it's the smart choice for every parent wanting to keep diaper rash at bay. Remember, with Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, nothing comes between you and your baby. Not even diaper rash. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. We are continuing our discussion of yoga and meditation with Patty Quintero. I've already learned a great deal from you. And um, you are this powerhouse in the pre- and postnatal world. You have a a brand called UMA. Yes. What is that and what does it mean and where did it come from and what's included in it? Um, UMA Mother is, um, hmm, well, the definition of UMA is Mother of the Universe, and goddess of light. Um, so the name came to me, I, I probably in the shower or in a dream because that's where I usually get my downloads. But um, it's all sparked from my experience as a mother 
and then my experience going through divorce and becoming a single mother. And um, and then actually a very, um, you know, just dealing with the realizing the importance that of mothers needing to be mothered. And then there was a very scary experience where I had to run out of my house in Venice with my two young children and the two young children of the neighbors because there was a in, intruder and we had to <gasps> run away at four in the morning. And the reason this story is important is because um, nothing terrible happened. We we were not hurt, but I never felt so fierce. And you know, they talk about mama bear or like the mama wolf, and I have never embodied that like I did at that moment. Wow. Um, you know, they they say you'll pick up a you'll stop a car with your hand. You'll pick up a car if your kid's underneath it. It's true. I I, I felt this insane fire and fierceness uh, in that experience. And it just was the catalyst to creating a platform to support mothers, empower mothers, inspire mothers with um, mindful living. You have two kids. I do. And um, at the time that you were pregnant, were you already doing prenatal-related work? Yeah. I... um, I had been teaching for several years before I got pregnant. I got pregnant in 2004, no, 2003. So I had been teaching for several years prior to that. And I had um, worked with pregnant women here and there, and I think I was always fascinated with motherhood and everything that happens through that journey to birth. But it wasn't until I really got pregnant that I started to fully experiment with what felt good on my body, with how much fear was being fed to me during my pregnancy, you know, through literature and through um, just the way people would talk about it, and even through the practices, the practices that I found were very mild and not, um, you know, I felt like I was in warrior mode and in the in the most beautiful way, like I felt abundant from the inside and strong. And so I was practicing Ashtanga yoga at that time, which is actually a practice that was created for teenage boys, but it had a lot of fire to it. And so what I did was I took that and I kind of adapted it to my body through that stage. And I felt like this is really what I want. Let's see if other mothers in this stage want it too. And it was a hit. (laughs) So, I mean, a lot of times prenatal yoga is deliberately fluffy because number one, it's people who maybe are picking up yoga for the first time. And um, number two, I assume it's like with massage and other modalities, uh, sometimes for liability reasons, you're just really told to be very mild. Mm-hmm. You know, don't push too hard on here and don't, you know, don't all the don'ts. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily based on science, but based on um, theory or hypotheticals or just straight out liability. Right. So I, in our office, we frequently have people who come in who are strong, who have been working out, uh, or who do feel that fire, that power that you were talking about, and they'll go to a local prenatal yoga class and just not – I just had one very recently who, who just couldn't continue because it was too – her word is fluffy, too light. She felt like she was moving props, she said. Right. Uh, and then I send them to you, and they're like, "Now that's what I'm talking about, <laughs> right?" But then I think there's other people who can't, who who would be intimidated by by that strong. Sure, and I class think that's and, that's and they the like beauty. something more light, right? And, there is. That's why you know there's many different. That, that's I think the 
the great thing is you can choose what suits you. Um, so I will get usually uh, pregnant women that are wanting to still um, do things that are are physically energizing and that they're getting physically strong in. But I teach with alignment because that's the only way I really know how to teach. So I teach even my stronger postures all have modifications and there's an emphasis on alignment. Um, but I also I, I, I also feel like it's my job as a teacher, as a mother, and maybe through my doula work, um, to remind them that they are really prepping for a great, great physical, physically demanding experience. Um, and I want them to be strong. And I want them to be very connected to that inner strength. Are you um, talking about childbirth or motherhood? <laughs> Both. Okay. <laughs> there you have it. One leads to the next. I think they're all stepping stones to the great journey of motherhood. How was childbirth for you? It was great. Yeah. I had really, um, really wonderful pregnancies. Both of my pregnancies, they, my kids are 18 months apart, so they were pretty back to back. Oh, wow. Um, but they were lovely. I'm, I'm, I only have you know good things to say about them. I um, I do think that I know so much more now that I probably might have chosen a different path to go by what I know now. But they were both beautiful experiences, and um, and my pregnancies were really great too. How often do you hear that? Unfortunately, um, not as much as I'd like to. Right. So I, that's probably what really pushed me into the doula arena. Um, yeah, when did you become a doula? I why? When? When? So I was, I was probably doing renegade doula work before I officially <laughs> stepped into it, just because I was their teacher and I was a you know a fellow mother. Um, but uh, it was about uh, officially four years ago. I would say four and a half years ago. I started to call myself a doula. And then I just kept it to myself that I had been mm -hmm. at, at several births assisting women. Um, so when I when I kind of jumped into that, it was really interesting to see it not only through the mother perspective or the teacher perspective, but to be um, like the birth a birth coach and a guardian through it, and to really get to be a witness to it because it's so different when you're going through it yourself versus seeing it from a from an outsider's point of view. Um, and I mean, I, it, it really inspired me to push the yoga and the meditation even more because I felt like now that I had the opportunity to actually be in the room as a doula and having experienced it myself, I realized the huge importance for a mindfulness practice when we're stepping into that massive transformation. Um, because as we know, birth happens on the inside and yoga points you inside and meditation points you inside and there's so much outside with you know technology and st other people's stories and ancestral lineage that we're dealing with that I feel like the best thing I can give any woman is a guide back into themselves and who they are so they can make those choices from an empowered space. Kristen are you a yoga person from bef before you had your baby? Yes. You've been I doing did. yoga for a long time. I did yoga for a long time. I think I was in sports. So mm -hmm. I played water polo and kind of as a way to, um, that is a very physically demanding uh, and stressful time. They always had us do yoga. And then I kind of found that as my own practice. And then I 
actually started studying, I was talking to her earlier, um, that I started studying to become a teacher. Oh, really? But when I became through the school program at school, mm -hmm. and I then became pregnant, so I didn't get to finish. But I uh, have always been super called to that for some reason also. Just I think that idea of, of why I, the question I asked earlier is at times in sports you're so physical and so disconnected sometimes because you're always thinking about the outside and how you relate to it mm -hmm. that you don't come inside. So I found it a very calming place to be. Um, but I also got very frustrated in it I think also because – I'm not used to doing that. You're not mm. when you bridge that gap. I think of being very physical to becoming when you're always out and you're helping others. It's very hard sometimes to come in, and I struggled with that. So I think that was always my interesting walk with yoga. But it's kind of that yin and yang. I think that's hard in meditation in general. Yeah, um, did and it change for you during <laughs> yes during, <laughs> during pregnancy? Yeah, you know, during pregnancy, I also tried to do yoga, but I found that I didn't, I, I obviously needed to meet Patty, <laughs> but I, I found that I couldn't do it. I, I tried yeah. and I went to classes and I, now I you like, can do the training. This is not pushing <laughs> me to, to be physical. And, um, yeah, I, I just, I didn't continue that practice. And then asking her earlier too, I now feel very disconnected. And feel like my body's calling me to be active in, in motion because I've never not moved my whole life. And in this last more than – I was talking to my husband – more than two years, I haven't moved. I've yeah. had to be very inside. I'm also finishing this demanding program and being a mom. So I just don't know who Well, there's that no is. way you're not moving with a, with a toddler at home. But it's sure. a different kind of – it's not yes. a, a dedicated for you movement. Exactly. It's, again, for someone else – learning to move, understanding their movements. It's very kind of interesting, like retrospectively. Mm. But I feel like I really resonate with that and understanding your body post-baby. I, mm -hmm. I, I think you'll like Uma training, Uma yeah. mother. I, I was, you graciously asked me to participate in a couple of the modules and uh, I loved being in that room. You just attracted this great group of women who want to give and <laughs> want to empower in in the same way that you do. Yeah. And um, they were just, wonderful. you know, sometimes you, you like I've lectured in lots of different settings and sometimes people are just there because they have to be there. Even if they want to be there, they're just, everybody's got long days and so you're just sometimes tired and not in the mood to listen and it was just like the amount of focus and attention and thirst for knowledge and things that they can use to help their future clients uh it was just really incredible i i loved the first one and then came back to do the second one and it was just as amazing it was like a whole bunch of patties and training <laughs> I, I feel like what happens is that when we're teaching like when we're teaching something that has changed our lives and when I can speak to it from a place that I realize how it helped me through my journey. So I'm speaking really from my perspective and from my heart. Um, and that it does. It takes, a, it takes a while to get there. It takes life to get there. Um, then the audience that finds you is going, to, is going to see that and is going to resonate with that. And I feel like as a teacher, I... I'm at a place now and, and having created UMA that I'm really, this is my passion. I fully believe in its importance for women. Um, 
whether they are mothers uh, of their own birth children or they're, you know, they're just really drawn toward this, um, toward this knowledge. So in terms of pregnancy, for someone listening that's pregnant with their first baby, hasn't really done yoga before, and wants to get started. First of all, not every town has uh, prenatal yoga classes. Even where we are in the heart of Los Angeles, uh, there's it's hard to sometimes find classes that you can get to that are at, at good times or or multiple times per week. Oh yeah, definitely. So the, how, how does somebody get started? Well, um, that's a good question because I <laughs> I'm in the middle of creating um, online content. Uh, to support women in that in that dimension when they're going from conception all the way to postpartum and beyond and and I'm doing it in Spanish also because I I feel that it's of great importance. Um, I wish I could you know and I will say my goal is to hopefully start traveling more and doing more of these seminars so that we can bring women together because it's a it's a journey that it's really important to be with other women. I think that the class that I teach at Yoga Works, I, I teach it on a Saturday. There was never Saturday classes there, and I created this slot for women who worked because they couldn't come to their prenatal class. Um, it's a very powerful class where women who are at all different stages coming in, some have done yoga, some are very strong practitioners, some are just there because their doctor or midwife said, go practice yoga. But what it does is once you get in there, we're all the same. You know, we all are going to go through this journey and it's going to have its twists and turns and we will all have different outcomes. But it brings us together in such a powerful way um, that we take that with us as we go into our labor. And then the same with postpartum. It's a key for women to be able to be with other women when they're going through that so they don't feel alone, so they realize that we're all going through those same challenges. Um, and it makes, it makes a huge difference, huge difference in your emotional uh, support. The online content that you're creating, is that like uh, online classes? Mm-hmm. It'll be online classes um, of meditation and physical practice and yoga. That are pre-recorded? That are, yeah, they're pre-recorded. So it'll be content that you can get that, you know, takes you through each trimester into postpartum, into the 40 days. Um, so it serves as a guide. That's very cool. The um, the classes when you do them live are seem to, I don't know when you get around to this within the structure of a class, but the clients, when I'm seeing my clients after who who do prenatal yoga regularly, they talk about it as as you were just saying, being with other women, but community. Like they feel a very strong type bond, and I feel like it's almost it, in a way it's their therapy. It, it's therapeutic for sure, mm-hmm. but I feel like sometimes it's therapy. Like I don't know when you do this, but they talk about how the teachers go around and just say what's happening with you right now or what's on your mind, and sometimes they. Even just asking that question can be comforting, but then to be able to talk and to realize that other people are having the same experiences or they're not alone um, is is something big. So I think that it would be cool if – I mean the online content will be amazing because then somebody who can't get to a class sure. um, can do it any place, anytime, uh, or somebody who's just too embarrassed. Uh, that's me. But um, – <laughs> 
But it'll be cool. I can almost see you sort of being like the Peloton of yoga class, prenatal yoga classes, where you can virtually join a class at times that are helpful for you and sort of bring together that virtual community. Yeah, that's in the works right now. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's in the works right now, and it sounds really special. It's through another woman's company, and she found me to do it, and I hope that it it can unfold because it is a way for us to not feel alone. I mean, I think you still have the absence of human connection that way. And I recommend, I I mean, even on my platform on Instagram, I'm continuously uh, telling, you know, women the importance of community and and finding your group, even if it's small groups. I love when I start seeing other women's groups that are unfolding because – that's ultimately the goal. It's They don't have to come to my class. I'm hoping that they're taking this information and they're doing it. This is part of why I led, lead the trainings is because I want other teachers to go out there and continue to do this because this is – it's necessary. I mean we are – we are the guides of the future. We're, we're, we're imprinting the future. We're imprinting children. They're taking from our energy. They're taking from our words. They're taking from um, how we present ourselves in life. So why would we not be nurtured and nourished and tended to the most? When you're doing prenatal yoga classes with an eye on labor and delivery um, or birth, however, someone gives birth, are there specific mental and physical goals that you have in mind? Within the prenatal practice? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I try not to use the word goals necessarily, but I do offer different tools. Um, we do breath work. Um, we do vocalization. I think having women moan really, I, we do a lot of moaning and vowel sounds and release work because the truth is, is that a lot of us haven't been taught to speak our truth or to open up the throat space and to release. And we know that there's a connection to the throat and the pelvis. And so I try to facilitate um, uh, ways for them to move energy in their body. So when they come to their Uh, birth experience, they have that imprint of like, oh, this felt good for me. Let me do this moan. Let me move my body this way like we did. Let me do this mantra that she taught me in meditation. So that way I give them a toolbox because it's going to really be different for every woman. And I'll get different messages. I'm like, the squats really helped me. That that mantra you gave me really helped me. The moaning helped me. Um, You know, so the visualization, we do a lot of visualization at the end together. And on the physical side, um, are you using the movements to try to strengthen certain muscles, uh, lengthen certain muscles? All of the above. The beauty of, of, of yoga, of the physical practice of yoga, is that it's going to strengthen you, especially if it's taught with alignment, with that kind of muscular energy, isometric awareness of hugging the muscles into the bone. Um, You're talking to them about their pelvic floor, how to keep it spacious, yet, you know, supple, yet tone at the same time. Um, You're talking to them about their abdominal muscles and how those muscles are going to actually help them push. Um, So, it is a combination of keeping their strength, helping um, circulation, helping them stay supple, and actually learning their landscape. Because if you're carrying a child inside of you, you should know how that home is built, right? Mm-hmm. Because then you can navigate better when you're delivering your baby. Sure, that makes sense. 
Are there contraindications, people who shouldn't be doing yoga? Um, you, during pregnancy? Yeah. Yes. There's always going to be contraindications. And this is what makes it challenging. Um, and sometimes I think for certain women, they're oftentimes a little weary of stepping into teaching this because there are so many things that they need to be aware of, you know, um, if there's uh, high blood pressure issues, if they have any previous injuries from previous births, if they're working with diastasis. So there's a lot to take in. And I, I try, usually women will come up and tell me I'm dealing with this. And so I will give them some modifications. Um, but then if they have something, I always say, you know, if there's something that you're wondering, come up and talk to me after. And then I, I can give them some personal modifications and variations to do. Do you work with partners and dads? Mm-hmm. I actually welcome um, partners into, into, my, into my big class on Saturdays. Mm. Um, do they come? Yeah, oh, they do. Great. It's that's great. Really cool. It's great. And I'll always call them out and I'll make everyone look at them. <laughs> <laughs> but it's beautiful. You know, they often come to me after and they thank me for letting them be there because I want to inspire them. First of all, I think it's amazing for them to see what their partner is doing and what every other pregnant woman is doing in the room. Mm -hmm. um, but they're learning, and I, I really feel inspired to help empower them to be the best support system that they can be for their for their partner when they go through that experience. That's really cool. I yeah. just feel like her whole message is so warm and needed in that in this space because it's such a, especially now with like the way that things are about trying I feel like pregnancy in the media is like trying to disconnect women from each other you know mm -hmm. like are you this type of birth or this type of birth and yeah. this seems to be really just like what we need you know in that space of like bringing partners Common together yeah that we're all doing it together and like almost like a tribe you know and yeah these are your people and your tribe and becoming parents but that's what really brings brings bring us brings us back to yoga i mean uh, the two main tenets of yoga are kind of um they they almost are opposites of each other one of them is described as um practice being eternally watchful and the other one is non-attachment and they're kind of the opposite. One can be looked as passion and the one can, other one can be passionless. Mm. So in yoga, that's essentially where you're being. And it's like the shadow and the light. And so if, if we realize that we have all of that in us, that we're both of those, that they coexist within wow. each other, then we can start qualifying everything that we do and every experience we have as good or bad or right or wrong or you shouldn't do this or you should do this. And it's just redirecting you back to you because nobody knows how you should do it or what the unfolding or what the purpose of the experience that you're going to go through is really meant to teach you. That's a solid truth. Yeah. And so there is all of these words that are very subjective. I mean, the word natural is subjective. I mean, I, I like to tell my mothers that birth is supernatural. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's all supernatural, however you birth. In my opinion, supernatural synonymous to magic. It is magic. So I think the less that we can qualify the experiences that we're going and the more that we can own them, I think that that can bring us greater happiness in parenting and motherhood. I hate that our time is up. <laughs> <laughs> and 
I feel like we need to have you back just on to do a whole episode on postnatal. We didn't really get to talk about it. I'm, I'm thrilled to do that. It's a whole new world. Yeah, it um, is a whole new world. But we're going to call it an episode for now. But it's actually, I'm excited about it because then we get to have you back for another hour. Yeah. And um, I just think it's such a great message that is so needed at this point. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I we were just talking earlier. I don't know who put us together a while back. I feel like I've known you forever. I know. Um, and I've had the really honor and pleasure of working with you in several different settings. Yeah. Um, at birth and yeah. um, in, in the workshops. And um, it's just every time I talk to you, there's not that many people. I, I try to learn something from everyone all the time, but I feel like there's so much that I could just learn from you and your life experience and the the work that you do and, and that you've dedicated yourself to. Mm, thank you. And um, thank you. It's yeah. like, wow, I appreciate <laughs> you. I feel very inspired after talking thank to you. Thank you. Well, I, I love talking about it, and I'm, um, I consider myself very lucky to be doing what I get to do. So It's so crazy from all the different like geographical places that you were and the yeah. the different things that you started you know, <laughs> in in film and theater and then in it's education all part of the whole. and then kindergarten <laughs> it's like you you literally went you started in kindergarten and moved up mm-hmm. and now you're in like grad school yeah <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if it ever stops right and now with teenagers i'm always like okay here i am boot camp again <laughs> and the other thing, you're this calm with two teenagers <laughs> yeah that's unbelievable that's a testament to the power of, of yoga. yoga and meditation. And meditation. <laughs> yeah. Patty, thanks a million for being here. Kristen, thanks for being here again. Where do we find you online? That's I um, to you that. You can, my um, my website is umamother.com, and that's U-M-A mother.com. And it's the same on Instagram. It's umamother, and on Facebook, umamother. And, um, do you Snapchat? I don't. Oh, thank goodness. Okay. I know. I, <laughs> I don't Snapchat. You know, this is enough for me. Just even handling the platform of Instagram is so much. And I'm trying to keep, you know, practice what I preach with presence and mindfulness. So it's a practice. I love it. So yeah. we'll follow you through Instagram. Yes, please Perfect. do. Uh, at home, thanks for listening to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. If you like our program, share us with your friends, rate us, and leave a comment in your podcast app. If you have thoughts or suggestions for a topic, send it to us. We'll do it. You can write to info at informedpregnancy.com and then visit us online for more information at informedpregnancy.com. This episode is sponsored by an innovative product that's made a big difference for parents and babies alike. Dr. Mom Butt Bomb. As a parent of four, I've had my fair share of battles with diaper rash, often resorting to thick, unpleasant pastes. I only recently discovered Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, and I was immediately impressed by its pleasant consistency and ease of application. 
This pediatric-approved skin protectant is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, making it perfect for your baby's sensitive skin. It's designed by a doctor who's also a mom, ensuring your little one gets the gentlest care. A small dab is all it takes to soothe and protect, avoiding the mess and hassle of traditional treatments. With ingredients like dimethicone and petrolatum, Dr. Mom Butt Balm not only soothes, but also restores your baby's delicate skin. Available on Amazon.com and Walmart.com, it's the smart choice for every parent wanting to keep diaper rash at bay. Remember, with Dr. Mom Butt Balm, nothing comes between you and your baby. Not even diaper rash.